I think we really got something here. It's like, no, that's not a thing. You gotta tell them that you ate your exes. We are some creative guys. Are we about to kiss? No. Hello and welcome back to the Everything Must Go podcast. This is season two. We are back and better than ever. I am Steven, and with me, as always, is Brandon J. Flippin. And with season two, we've got a couple of new things for you, including a brand new segment called The Gray Area, which we'll be getting to later on in the episode. Uh, we're also going to be kind of going back a little bit to how we started the podcast, which is we bring up a specific topic and then we kind of go into it. But the difference is we're not going to make entire episodes about these specific topics. We'll just, if we've got one, we're going to try to at least have it on there so you guys kind of have an idea of what the episode might be like and uh, hopefully you like these changes that we're making here but just keep in mind this is always going to be a work in progress as we move forward absolutely and uh, i think our our idea is uh from from uh at least for for today's episode to start off with the audience topics uh whenever you guys write in or call in or anything uh we like to uh discuss whatever you have um contributed and i think it's a good way to get the the wheels in motion for us so i'm i'm looking forward to today's audience prompt i'm looking forward to season two season two is gonna be way better than season one i can already feel it we're kicking off things with a bang and uh, i'm pumped i feel like that's kind of a a lot of shows season two usually is better than season one although um uh, in Stranger Things, I do like season one more than season two. A lot of people shit on the season two of The Walking Dead, but oh, really? the season two was actually what hooked me. So I feel like you're kind of like that, though. I feel like there's, uh, I mean, you like The Last Jedi a lot, and that seems to be like a controversial choice in the Star Wars universe. Well, typically, I think uh, I like things that are very thought-provoking, but I think people get bored with with things that are too, like, uh, heady. Um, and so I think not saying that, I, oh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm high class and I think about this intense stuff, but I just think that sometimes like the walking dead season two, I will, I will say objectively was less intense than, uh, I probably season one was, but I just, some of the, the things that it addressed on the show, uh, really, really hooked me as a viewer. So that's how I feel about it. Let's, uh, let's answer an audience question here. Uh, would you rather know how you will die or when you will die interesting um hmm. maybe how because i feel like if i knew when well oh my god <laughs> not thinking about it yeah i'll say how because either one of them are tough if i knew when i feel like it would really fuck up like how i live my life if i know how it might I feel like, like that might do it too, though, because like, what if you you don't like? What what if someone says, "Oh, it's in a car accident," you're like, "Well, I guess I'm never getting in a car ever, then, right?" Right. Well, then I just don't know how this would work. I don't know either, because <laughs> I I would have to at some point if that's the way that I'm inevitably going to die. It's at, like it's at the Frey concert. You're like, "Well, I guess I'm not going to the Frey concert. <laughs> <laughs> I'm never seeing the Frey again." But then, like thirty years down the road, they do a reunion tour, and it's like, and you just this forget is the last tour they're ever doing. We're never coming back, and I'm like. I gotta see him, man. <laughs> oh yeah, I forget or something. You just forget. Uh, you Facetime me from the concert. I'm like, dude, don't you remember what happens at the concert? Literally, you're like, oh, dude, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll choose. I'll, yeah, but I'll choose one. 
I'll still choose how because I don't want to uh like if I knew I was gonna well I suppose if you knew when though maybe like you do the whole Tim McGraw I went skydiving yeah this is the complicated part about this is are you altering what happens by knowing this because if you know when then that day I'd be like dressing up in bulletproof armor i wouldn't go anywhere i just sit in a room yeah but it's like the the that's so raven thing where she sees the future and then because she sees the future she does all these things to try to prevent it but that's actually what causes yeah the but future. the dumb part is you think she'd eventually learn that but she just keeps doing it over and over again yeah yeah well i'm just trying to make <laughs> sense of this this audience prompt what, what would you choose i think I, you've said you don't want to know i don't know i don't want to know when Okay. No way, dude. I want to know when. Knowing when would be, that would be so stressful all the time. Even if it was like, you're going to be 87. I'd be like, yeah, but when I start getting close to 87, I'm going to start getting really nervous. Or I'm going to just start doing reckless stuff. I'm like, dude, I can't die. It's I'm not 87. So I start doing just crazy stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I just don't like the idea. I, I don't like the idea of having access to information that I should not have access to. Like, that stresses me out a lot. But if this was a legitimate option, then you w- w- should have access to this. Yeah, but I still hate the idea. <laughs> <laughs> now, aliens, though. Aliens is where I would draw the line. If I could have access to alien information, sign me up. Well, didn't you see aliens? Uh, yeah, they're flying above Chicago the other day. <laughs> Steven sends us huge texts. It's like, <laughs> all right, guys, I might be crazy, but I... S- did, you, did anyone else see these flashing lights that were in the sky and they just automatically, or they just they, disappeared or they, something? They fade away. <laughs> Dude, I, I've read a lot of books on aliens, and this seems to be 101 aliens. <laughs> so we went to a rooftop the other night, and every time I saw a plane with lights, I was like, guys, a UFO. <laughs> There's aliens. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I think I said it was a UFO, not aliens, but yeah. it's definitely funny to think that I was just that confident. Well, you aliens. said UFO in the text, but then when we got together, you you were talking about how it was automatically aliens. Yeah. And then you, you tried to make it out like, oh, sorry for believing in aliens. I'm like, I believe in aliens too, but to <laughs> not have any information on those flashing lights in the sky. I think what I said, though, is what? That I wanted the narrative. I yeah. wanted the narrative aliens. <laughs> <laughs> you wanted the narrative to be aliens. <laughs> Sometimes in life you just want a certain narrative, and in that case, I wanted the narrative to be aliens. And I just—I was just trying to say that it clouds your judgment. All right, I, that's what I'm here for. I'm your support system. Dude, I'm, I'm gonna hold I, you accountable. I'm filled with cloudy judgment from time <laughs> to time. <laughs> Not all moments of life. For, what, when are you thinking the most clearly? What's like something that happens and you're like, yeah, you're thinking the most clearly. Uh, post nut. Yeah, that's that's a good answer. <laughs> that's a really good answer. Actually, honestly, I'm just tired post nut. Because when you when you when you finish, you're just like there's like a there's like a serene state of mind that you're in where you just don't want to move. Maybe you you refuse to clean up for a little bit. You just kind of like sit there in your own juices. Yeah. Is this? Yeah. Am I alone in this? No, I think you're you're very much not alone in this. I, I think that's a good one. Also, like post-workout clarity. I feel mm-hmm. like a lot of times after that, I'm just like, maybe, maybe maybe a little overly confident in that. You're like, you know what? Maybe if like it was me against a tiger, like maybe I could actually fight a tiger. <laughs> but here's the thing is men have been fighting tigers for years. We discussed this. Yeah, saber-toothed the, tigers. We've been killing saber-toothed tigers <laughs> since the beginning of the millennium. Yeah. Yeah, dude, dude, nothing, nothing short of great comedy. So where this was an inside joke, so we'll explain it a little bit. We had a discussion with Jess, who you guys uh, probably know, um, 
and she was arguing that women have a higher pain tolerance. And I was like, do you actually know that? Have you done the research on that? So Stephen <laughs> looked it up, and he found that that studies show um, that M- most, men, of the time. most of the time men actually have a higher pain tolerance than women. And so we made it about the hunters and gatherers and how <laughs> men were out there fighting saber-toothed saber tigers. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, then we did talk about like that used to be life, like all the things that like I kind of made fun of because you will complain about how you're sitting in one position and it hurts your back. But there used to be a time where we're like, if we were going to make it home alive, we got to fight that tiger. <laughs> yeah, that that was one of our uh, good going on on a tangent on just like a really small idea that turned into like a whole uh, we're fighting tigers. We're like, do we fight the baby tiger or the bigger tiger? There was a lot that went into that joke. <laughs> <laughs> and then we're like, we'll fight the baby tiger, but the mom's right there. So we're going to be pissed about that. <laughs> pissed about the baby tiger getting beat. Yeah. I, we didn't find ways that we can get more of those jokes, like as they happen on camera. Cause then maybe people might think they're fun. We had the Jeffrey Dahmer one and the audio was up. ruined. That was the best one we ever had. And oh my gosh, I know. Our, ju- our jokes are just not meant to be on there. I remember too. We went uh, we went mini golfing uh, this weekend, and uh, we were trying to vlog some of the experience. And there was just a moment where Jess just stopped vlogging in the middle of a joke. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm like you, uh, clearly you don't get how this works, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, then it's the worst because you're like that was a funny joke. All right, revlog it, and then it's just. Nobody yeah. laughs the second time. Yeah, you can't do that. You have to like make fun of it the second time to maybe capture a different kind of funny, but usually you'll fail at that, even if you try it. But you got to try it. Yeah. You can't give up. You have to at least give the effort. Yeah. Um, let's ask let's go over your uh your thought today. Yeah. So, uh one of the um as sort of a uh uh an effort to make a hybrid of what the podcast has become and what it used to be. We used to do uh, topic episodes where we would take one specific thing, like everything must sports. And the entire episode <laughs> was about sports. Uh, and we got away from that. Cause I think Steven and I, the ratings were too high in that episode. We ratings decided <laughs> were way too high. And we're just like, we're going to get too cocky. How much money do we really need? Uh, all that, uh, all of that kind of went into our thought process, but we started to feel more comfortable with the podcast and um, and we're like, we don't really need to have the entire episode structured. We can be more uh, flexible and just have a conversation. And, and we still do talk about specific topics, but something that could just provide one, almost like a segment, but some structure to the episode is, is bringing uh, a topic to the to the table and just having a shorter conversation about that rather than uh, stretching it out throughout the entire episode. Just have one thing. So today I wanted to talk, I I spoke with someone about this recently and I wanted to get your thoughts and we can just kind of uh, go into it. So uh, what are your thoughts on being a big fish in a small pond versus a small fish in a big pond? What would you prefer? What do you think of that concept? Is that uh, a real thing to you? Uh, What are your thoughts? This has been a topic of a lot of my life because when I was younger, uh, I was supposed to move somewhere else. Like it was in Northeast Ohio, so it wasn't like a huge, um, it wouldn't have been that big of a deal in terms of the location, but the school system I was going to be in was going to be different. And my graduating class would have been like 
uh, a couple hundred less. Like, it would have been definitely smaller. I went to a school that had, like, a decently big graduating class, like, um, 400 and something. Like, not, like, huge, huge, but, like, pretty big for graduating class. And, you know, there's, there's it's a little harder to stand out when there's more people. You know, if you're in a, if you have a hundred person graduating class, like, you know, everybody, it's a little bit easier to stand out. And obviously that the more people, the little more difficult it is to stand out. So as a kid, I always felt like I wished I had gone to a smaller like high school and stuff because I didn't feel like it was tough for me to be recognized for things. And, uh, I've always wanted to get, like, I've always wanted to find my way, um, and I, as I always felt like I kind of blended in a little bit. So that, that did bother me. And then in college, obviously, going to a big university both times, the both schools I went to were really big universities. I felt that same thing again. And I've always felt like just a number and like most of the things that I have done. And on, on social media, what I like about it is, even though it's this like massive thing, there, there is something kind of cool about like, oh, everyone has – has a voice here like you can kind of stand out a little bit if you you put a little extra effort in your social media thing but i i i, I kind of like I, I see the the benefits of both i haven't really spent a lot of time being the uh the big fish in a little pond because like i don't know where i would go where i would really be the big fish in a little pond um but but part of my part of why i liked chicago over moving to like la or new york is i felt like for the type of stuff i like doing it was a little bit I would stand out a little bit more than in in those two places because there's so many content creators in both of those places. So I like the idea that in Chicago, like it's hard to rattle off a bunch of really big Chicago YouTubers. Like they exist, but it's way way harder to know, way smaller. So I I like I do like that aspect a lot, and um, it's one of the things I've always admired about Cleveland is I like how it's a smaller big city and people don't talk about it as much. So. Uh, I've always kind of liked how LeBron was really, really talk about being a big fish in a little pond. Like LeBron really put Cleveland on the map, and that's something I always thought was really cool. So I love those types of stories. I think at heart, I I almost prefer to be uh, the big fish in a little pond. And as I said, like a big part of it is just kind of feeling like it was a little harder to stand out for a big part of my life, and I just like the idea of it. But uh, one other thing, there is something rewarding about if you can stand out in more people. Yeah, well, that's what now that's going to be my I think biggest point. But it's interesting to hear you uh, sort of navigate this narrative in a way where Chicago becomes a small pond to you, because Chicago really isn't a small pond. It's a very big pond. It's like very competitive. I mean, obviously, you're talking about one specific context of Chicago YouTubers. Um, but just in a city like this, I mean, this is a big city. There's there's a lot, a lot of people here, and um, and and so I think it also when we talk about building certain narratives to motivate us, I think one thing that we have talked about was, you know, uh, Chicago isn't L.A. or New York. It's you know it's big and it's you know well known and stuff, but there is something about um, trying to build a quote unquote empire here versus doing it where everybody else does it there is something that's uh exciting about that and uh, using that as motivation is is kind of interesting uh just because when you really think about it is this really a small pond i don't i don't think so um but at the same time i i kind of i like the idea of uh the, the big fish in a small pond thing um 
I think definitely feels great. I think it's uh, you get a lot of external validation and and uh, it it's uh, I think it uh, it's really easy to um, feel like that's the right place to be and kind of feel like you're in a sweet spot and stuff. But there's something about, I, I, I think just in general, my philosophy with life has, has kind of been built around trying to constantly grow and I get very restless. She's, I can't talk restless. If I'm, I don't feel like I'm growing. And, um, I think that that restlessness I felt big time when I like lived in Coon Rapids and my parents were from Coon Rapids and I was going to grow up there just like that. Like, not leaving that bubble uh almost scared me because i was like what am i doing with my life to a certain extent like i felt very stagnant and so the thing i like about chicago is like there are so many people so it's so diverse there are a lot of perspectives that i think can challenge me and help me grow um and i think it also in a weird way uh because you'd think if you're constantly like looking to grow and get better you're not you're not really uh, paying attention to the here and now and, and, and enjoying the moment. But I almost feel like for me, that's exactly how I enjoy the moment is if I feel like I'm in this, this state of growth and this evolution within myself and, and feeling like, uh, you know, maybe technically I'm a number, but, uh, I want to, um, you know, uh, you think about like Kobe Bryant, Michael, jo- like these great, these all time greats, um, there have been so many basketball players and so many, uh, you know, just athletes in general, just, just to kind of, uh, centralize this argument. Uh, so, you know, were they going to go into basketball and be like, well, you know, I'm not going to be able to really make a name for myself. No, they, they took on that challenge and like, I want to be one of the best of all time. So I think there is a certain aspect of like, I like the idea of being in a big place and being a small fish at first, but taking on that challenge of let's see how how great my legacy can be um, in all this competition or in all this uh, noise. Like how how loud can my voice get within that? Um, I, I think that's very exciting, and I also think that that contributes to the. Uh, the feeling present and stuff because I'm really paying attention to things. I'm trying to evolve. I'm trying to learn from things and, and, uh, and then eventually hopefully I take that next step and then I'm constantly getting better and better and better at whatever I do. Um, I mean, sometimes you're just like, when is that you might, I I could see a situation where you're like, when is this ever, when is this journey going to slow? Like, when am I just going to be the best? When, why do I always have to get to another place that challenges me? But I almost, that's almost like kind of what we talked about with life is like, there are no specific destinations. It's checkpoints. So if I want to constantly be growing, don't I want to always be in those environments where I feel like I'm being challenged and there's a diverse perspective and, and I'm, I'm striving for something. I, I do think that it is kind of important for people to experience both to a certain extent, because I think that I like the idea how, when I was younger, I like I I think that there's something that is really good about the fact that I did feel like a number for a part of like a big part of like my youth because I I've, I've noticed that people they can sometimes have like an inflated ego because they went to school with like 80 kids and maybe they were the best athlete or something mm-hmm. but you know when they go to a school of 1000 
they're like the fifteenth best athlete, and all of a sudden it kind of humbles someone and, and they realize, oh, maybe they're not so great after all. Like, I do think that moving to a big city like Chicago, even though I do say, you know, in some ways it's not as the same as going to like LA and New York, it is, you're absolutely right, it is still a really big city and you're around bigger competition, better competition, and that gives you a, a, a better perspective on everything that you're up against. And I feel like that's going to motivate you more than if you're just like in a small town and you're the best person there. Like there is something where it's you want to com- if you're really a if you truly want to be very successful at something, you're going to have to compete against the best of the best. And the only way you're going to do that is if you put yourself in an environment where you're around the best of the best, which is going to be these these like major uh major cities and stuff like that. So, I do think I I I like this I, this is something I I I think about because it I I just remember being a kid and and thinking Man, I, you know, I really wish, I really wish I went to like a smaller school because, um, like there would be probably be like more opportunities, or there'd be like other opportunities just like within, within my grade. Like I remember having that thought process back then, and I realize now a lot of that is inconsequential, but I really think that that ended up being a good thing for me because I think it gave me extra motivation since I always felt like that number. It was like that extra little chip on my shoulder to prove who I am. Well, yeah, I remember. You know, not that I was a big fish in a small pond per se, um, but, you know, when I got my freshman year of high school, you know, I was the quarterback of the football team. I won homecoming royalty. Um, uh, You know, I got called up on the baseball squad to play with the sophomores, even though I was a freshman. So there were all these, like, good things that were happening to me. And, um, you know, looking back, I wouldn't say that I got cocky, but I was definitely getting comfortable in this place like uh, there was a comfort zone and like yeah this is where i can make my home and then my family and i moved to tennessee which was a culture shock to begin with but it was also like football was taken way more seriously so when i got there people were faster people hit harder like it was it was intense the first game that i the first varsity game that i was on the i didn't play in it but i was on the sidelines for it was just like holy crap, this is a high school game. This is intense. And, um, and it, uh, I remember like I got in, uh, way better shape than I had ever gotten in. And it was like, I was, I had to wake up and say, you know, you're not, you're not all that. Like there, there, this is just another high school in the, in the country. Like what, if you go to play college ball somewhere, there are going to be a bunch of, Brandon Flippins that show up at that college that were the the best at their school and and want to compete with you and and then you're playing against a bunch of Brandon Flippins that you know so it was uh, I got that before going to college where I think some people can not see that experience like they were the big dog on on campus at their high schools and they go to college and they got to find their way again um, I got I think I got a little bit of that experience earlier on. And it, it took me about a year to really adjust and like feel that confidence again. Like I, my confidence was shaken because I like even, even just on a smaller scale, like making friends, people didn't understand my sense of humor. And, uh, you know, I was probably a little more, uh, hesitant to even be myself. Cause it was like, I was trying to kind of find my way. I mean, and also you're in high school there, you ha- always have a little bit of that when you're, a kid going through all these hormonal changes and stuff. 
But I just remember that year feeling like one of the shittiest years. And then the next year felt like one of the best years because I had grown so much from sophomore year to junior year. And uh, it was just such a good experience. Like I, you know, when I was a kid, part of me resented the fact that we, my parents up and moved us went in the middle of high school because like I had a girlfriend and things were going so well for me but now looking back on it I'm like I'm, I'm actually kind of glad because you know how comfortable would I have gotten in that place would I I, I, I I still think that the part of me that wants to keep uh, growing and evolving is just who I am at my core but uh, I wonder if it would have taken me longer to to develop that part of myself and want to get out of that bubble um, if we hadn't made that move. But now there is that other side of things where I think there is a balance where you don't want to take for granted because you're, you're constantly trying to grow and, and evolve and be the best or something like that. You don't want to take for granted uh, a certain moments. So there is a part of me that had those experiences. And sometimes I think that I have a weakness at finding stability in places. Like I, I have moved so many times in my life and uh, I wonder if I'm ever going to truly feel like a place is home. I don't know if you ever feel that way. I think you've talked a little bit about your homes in Chicago. None of them have really felt like homes. So you don't like want to invest in like stuff, furniture for home and stuff like that. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah. yeah that's, that's something I, I have said before when I, I've moved around a lot in my 20s, and I wanted, uh, I've always wanted to feel like something felt like home. Well, even when I moved to Chicago, I think it, it, it definitely shows how my, my fear of commitment to things sometimes with, with just deciding, like, this is exactly how the path that I want to go on right here. I want to stay here. I, I bought my uh, studio apartment, or like I, I rented my studio apartment, and I just wouldn't buy any nice furniture. I wouldn't put anything on the walls because I'm like, you know, if I'm still here after a year, then like maybe I'll do that. And then like two years will go by. And I really don't think I decided that I wanted to stay in Chicago for a little bit until like three years into living here. I pretty much just took it one year at a time. And then about three, three and a half, somewhere years in, I decided, oh, you know, I should probably actually like give this a stay. Well, I think I remember even when we were discussing me moving to Chicago, I think you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think I remember some of your reluctance being like, well, if Brandon moves here, what does that mean for me staying here? Um, So we had to kind of have the discussion of like, Hey, as much as we are in this together, we are also independent of one another. So you don't have to stay like I'm moving here for myself. I'm also moving here for what we're going to do together. But I think it's important for us to realize that we are on our own paths um, so, th- and I think that, uh, that reluctance was a little bit within this is like, um, is this actually going to be your home or, um, are you going to end up somewhere else? And I, I, you know, I, I don't know how you feel about it, but I kind of like that, that unknown of life, I, uh, as much as I worry that maybe I'll never feel like the stability of a true home. There is something that's really exciting about like the unknown of in five years, I could, I could live in California. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I could live in New York. I, I have no idea, but um, but it's it's uh, it just excites me to to realize that uh, life. I'm not I'm not shutting down uh, 
the possibilities of li- that life might have to offer. Yeah, I absolutely love it. I I like not knowing where things are going to be in a few years. I I like to kind of think about. I like to have a plan. As I've said, I get sort of like a vision in my head of something I want to work towards, and I try to build around it. But I like the idea of five years from now, I could be living in California. I could still be here. I could be back in Ohio. I could be married. I could be single. I have. I don't know. Like there's a, all kinds of things that could be uh, that, that could happen. So, I uh, I definitely when you when you moved here, I definitely had that thought. Like okay, now this is kind of a real thing now because the first real discussion that we had was in July of 2018. I always think of that discussion. That was the first time because that was really early on in doing podcasting. Mm-hmm. But that was the first time that we had we had a conversation. And we're like. I feel like if we dedicated ourselves to these things, we could be really successful at it. Uh, that was our thought. Uh, we don't know how long it could take. As we said, it could take could take many years. There, there's really no idea. But we were just like, do we think if we dedicate ourselves, could we be successful at something like this? And we both agreed, yeah. So, But that was two years ago, over two years ago now, where it was just like a, a thought on, oh, you know, so at some point I'll move to Chicago. And uh, that was what Brandon said to me. And that's when we can really like launch this whole thing. But it was very weird when the day actually came and he's like, I'm moving to Chicago because it went from a, it, it's, it's kind of like when you're younger, you always think of, Oh, wh- my wedding is going to be like this, or, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to college. I'm going to do all these things. But it's another thing like when those things actually happen and you're like, Oh, this is actually like one of those moments that I thought about, but now it's actually like arrives. And that was a weird moment when it's like, yeah, I'm literally, I'm in 2020. I'm actually going to live in the same city as you. That was a very weird moment. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, well, it's uh, it, it also crazy just in, like, reminiscing on our friendship. And, like, uh, I mean, we've talked about this plenty of times, but just thinking about um, even the beginning conversations of, like, uh, us possibly ending up in, in a place where our paths cross because I was going to be dropping out of school to pursue music and you doing what your own thing. So the fact that, uh, you know, we talk about how crazy it is that our paths led us to meet at UT, but I almost feel like it's even crazier that when our paths pulled us apart from each other, uh, we ended up back in the same place again. And um, I, I think little things like that is, are kind of within alignment of the unknowns of life. Like, you know, uh, as much as I would have hoped back then that our paths would cross again, do you, could I have predicted that you and I would, you know, live 10 minutes from each other in the same city at, in our late 20s, you know, no. go, going on? Th- yeah. No, I couldn't have predicted it. I mean, it's weird because it doesn't feel like it doesn't like it, it feels like, oh, I could kind of see a scenario where this could have worked out this way. But it's also it doesn't feel that way. Like it, it also sort of feels like, do we really think that back when we were 19 years old? No. No, <laughs> probably well, not. Especially with the things that did happen in our lives. Like there were so many other options of where our life could have gone. Yes. <laughs> um, but like certain things happened that led us astray from that and led us to this point, which is just, I mean, when you get into the, it, it like gets into the weeds uh, <laughs> of life when you think this way, but it is, it does make it very fascinating to think about just how much can change over time. And, and how, um, you know, when you when you try to plan out your life, it's it's almost a disservice to what life has to offer, because for as many things as you could get right, 
so many things could change in the matter of an instant. And I think being prepared for the unexpected is, is almost the best philosophy. And also uh, I could argue something that allows you to appreciate um, the unexpected a bit more. Uh, so it just, I don't know. It, it's exciting to think about. And, and it, you know, we talk about like, where do we see ourselves in five years now? And uh, I'm still sitting here saying, like, I, I don't, I don't know. I have no clue, but it's, I'm actually kind of pumped about that. Cause in five years we could be successful with this. We could be making money off this and, and not have quote unquote real jobs. Like this could be our real job. And uh, we can look back at this conversation and be like, remember five years ago when we didn't know what the hell was going to happen. That's literally my, that's well, it's arguably my favorite part about content creation because I wish so badly. Uh, we have, we have one conversation of us, on on uh, that we recorded from back in like 2012, I think. I wish so badly that I had like clips of what we said what we were gonna be doing five or ten years from now. Because just knowing how we would talk to each other, I guarantee you, at some point, we're like, I, I bet five years from now you're gonna be doing. Who knows what what we actually said exactly? But I would love just to know what we said. Well, we we do have video of us. We went on a walk through downtown Knoxville. Um, and I think we do have, I think there is a moment in that, that video, that vlog, um, where we talk about me being a professional musician and you having a talk show or something. Yeah. I think we might have talked about that at some point, but even that's like a little vague, but yeah, still kind of cool. I, I just think it's, uh, you know, when we, when we reminisce on this, there's actually like, at some point we would, we'll probably end up releasing it, but, um, I think it's cool that there at least is something of. I don't know. It's just uh, it, it's crazy to think about um, how things have have come to this point from from where they started. You know. And what if somehow we we like you, you, <laughs> somehow you look through all of your old video files and you find this this clip that you never knew existed, and it's like, dude, we're gonna start the Everything Must Go podcast. <laughs> and we Chicago. just forgot that we. <laughs> We had we all of this already planned, like plotted out. Like, dude, we're gonna go through these breakups, but it's not gonna matter because in the end, we're both gonna move to Chicago and and start the Everything Must Go podcast, and it's gonna go great. And it's like, not only does it talk about everything that's happened so far, but it also like plots out a bunch of things in the future of this time. It's like then when then, like years later in like 2020, we're gonna have a conversation about this, and we're thinking that it's like a made up thing, but then a little bit later, Brain is actually gonna find it on his computer. <laughs> <laughs> we're that specific yeah we're just completely clairvoyant i'm gonna find it i'm gonna find the files that's actually just such a funny idea that somehow <laughs> we are we like, we knew all this there's probably been nothing to this specific but there's probably been something like crazy like that that i think i think i saw something like somebody put their dream house on a computer and then like ended up buying that house all these years later and just didn't even realize it Oh, really? Yeah, I, I saw something about that once. That's kind of what inspired that thought in my head. Well, there has to be some, because some of that stuff is subconscious. Yeah, like yeah, you, yeah. you have You think <laughs> about that stuff, and you, it, it kind of seeps in, and you forget maybe, like, consciously that that happened. But, uh, you know, you in yourself have, have still kind of committed to that. So it, it's, uh, we, we've definitely probably had those moments. I But, yeah, having them documented would have been way better. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what's cool about doing uh, all this stuff. Now, even uh, the first live stream we ever did two years ago, it's just cool listening to what we were talking about. It's like a 45-minute clip of us just playing GameCube, just, like, talking about life. It's interesting to hear what we talk about. Yeah. 
I love that. It's like a moment captured in time. I think we got to do the gray area segment. The gray area. Hell yeah. Do you want to, uh, I think I pulled up a little description. So this, this segment, uh, the gray area, uh, do you want to read what, what I wrote? Maybe I can actually put it on this. Let's see. see Can he do it? Can, does he have the technology? Does he have, does he have the wherewithal? No, probably not. You can try it. it. I believe you. you. Uh, Other way. There we go. Can you read that? Uh, yes. Okay. You don't need to go on that far. Okay. I forgot your vision is top notch. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So the gray area. So one thing that we wanted to start incorporating within the show is uh, within the show in general, we, we do like to talk about abstract things. And um, that's kind of the beauty of the podcast. The everything must go aspect is it's not really any black and white discussion. A lot of it is gray. But to centralize that around things that are relevant uh, within today's world. So. Uh, the gray area is a new segment where we take a trending story and discuss a portion of that story that lands somewhere in the gray. So it's not like we're going to be reporting on the news or anything like that, but we're just going to take something within pop culture or something that has relevancy and uh, just discuss our thoughts on a specific portion of that. So today's uh, topic, I don't know if you want to preface it in any any sort of way. Um, it was it was your idea, so I, I don't know if you had any, <laughs> anything. To... We're gonna do the uh, the Tana one. Yeah. Okay. So uh, the one that we wanted to talk about in today's is uh, some of you might know who Tana Mojo is. I, I really don't even know what she's famous for, other than just being a YouTuber who's pretty reckless and makes uh, uh, a lot of. She she shows up in a lot of other uh, YouTubers like trending videos because she'll say just outlandish things. She's probably not the best role model. I don't know how you determine that or quantify, but probably not the best role model. She married Jake Paul, but it wasn't a real marriage. It was, uh, uh, she changed her name to like Tana Paul, but only it comes out later that it wasn't uh, an official marriage. She, uh, she's dated Bella Thorne. She, uh, She's she's also made some remarks that she's had to apologize for over the years, and she just recently did another apology video that had uh, a lot of pushback, enough where, even though I don't follow her, I saw plenty of YouTube videos that were about how her apology video was absolute trash. And uh, it's interesting, because we listened to it right before we did this. Um, most of it, it's like 15 minutes long. We listened to most of it, and uh, she's extremely articulate in the way that she speaks, but it's kind of hard to even know what exactly she's apologizing for from mm-hmm. just listening to the video because it sounds like she's just apologizing for her entire existence as a human being. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, what? Uh, so I, I brought this up to you originally. So what? What? Um, what are your thoughts on her before you even say your overall thoughts on this specific video? Yeah, I mean, she's not my favorite. I I, I think uh, she's the kind of c- celebrity that I typically don't appreciate because. Like even the the Jake Paul marrying thing is you know both her and Jake Paul like these are acts to be famous and like they're not really about substance thing it's just like how can we make a splash like how can we do something for cheap thrills um, and that stuff is is stuff that I typically don't um, don't really respect in because I to me like it's not. When, when I think about like these pursuits and stuff, it's not about the fame. Like that stuff is a result of doing something 
uh, hopefully of meaning, uh, uh, of impact. Um, it's not literally about that. And I feel like um, a lot of the celebrities that have kind of monopolized uh, the public sphere are, are in that, and, and they're all centered around drama. And people love the, oh, let's spill the tea. Like, that's that's a big thing. That's a YouTube channel, too, I believe. Yeah, and, and so, like, that stuff, it, it kind of gets under my skin. I mean, again, I'm not saying I'm any sort of authority on what's what you're allowed to view and, and uh, appreciate and whatnot, but uh, for me personally, I don't... Uh, I don't like that. And I think in terms of the gray area topic that I, I would want us to discuss, and, and I, if it, you can change us at all, but I think we talked about just how we feel. I, we can talk specifically about Tana Mojo's apology, but also just when it comes to these YouTubers that do these things and then make these apologies, how do you feel it hits? Do you feel like it's it's authentic? Do you feel like it is even in the apology itself a chance to uh, – you know, get yourself, um, uh, people talking about you, uh, you know, what, what do you, do you feel a purpose is a genuine apology? Like how, how do you feel about that in general? It almost at this point feels like some people do something with the idea in mind, they're going to make an apology video about it. I sometimes feel that way, which is something that obviously bothers me quite a bit. I, I think these types of videos are necessary. A lot of times if you screw something up, you should do an apology video where you, and that's, what's great about having the platform of YouTube, for example, is before you'd have to go to the press to get your apology, but now you can just go right, just, you can say exactly what you want to say. There's no misinterpretation. Of course, people can misinterpret anything that you say, but you get to really own it. That's a great part about the world that we live in is that you're able to do that. I, I do think that people, I mean, how many how many apology videos do you have to make where you start to think, how about you just stop? <laughs> Like, I've had you just stop being, stop doing things that you need to apologize for all the time and either just own it, like this is just who you are and you're just not a good person, which most people probably aren't going to do, or you actually make better, like, like you actually try to change things. Because that's the thing a lot of times in these apology videos, it's like, oh man, I'm really sorry about all these things. But the, the action, the action in which you are going to do to solve this, that's what usually matters to me is... You can go on and on all day and tell me about how everything you did is the worst thing ever. I want to know what you're going to do moving forward. That's really important. This is something I think that we just do as as a society too much, is we just bash all all the time. Like uh, uh, any, we, we bash everyone's opinions all the time, but then we don't have a good proposal for how to make things better, which I'm not saying you can't criti- criticize someone, but if you don't have a good solution yourself, I think you need to look at yourself in the mirror and think, okay, maybe there's a reason why they haven't come up with a solution here yet. Like, you got to be somewhat understanding. Uh, But I just, I feel like (laughs) I've seen this happen way too many times, and I very rarely have actually seen someone, I'm like, you know what? I really feel like this person's made a change. Like, I will give, I mean, the only person I can even think of that I've noticed any real change on is Logan Paul, but at the same time, like, I don't follow a lot of YouTubers who need to make apology videos all the time because I don't tend to like those people who are screwing up a bunch. Um, but I, you, I think it's important to make the video. Like, I think you got to own it. I, I think it's also important that you actually make a, a change and you tell people how you're going to make the change because then you need to be held accountable if you make the change or you don't make the change. Because if you don't, well, then you can't. You got to take the criticism. 
Yeah, I guess for me with these apologies, the bigger thing is, uh, you know, it's it's. I I think with cancel culture and uh, just uh, as Dan Barrero, who is a uh, radio host in Minnesota, he would call it uh, Pitchfork Nation. Like people are ready with their pitchforks. I think uh, it's tough to win uh, with an apology video. So, like even watching Tana's, I, I try. I was even telling Steven, I feel like I think part of the the backlash on her is she's just not a very likable person to a lot of people. So, because it it does like her what she is saying is very articulate, and I think she was very calculated in what she said to a point where Steven felt it was disingenuous, um, and I can see that. But at, at the same time, it's like. I almost feel like no matter what she would say, she'd be kind of an easy target. So I want to kind of give her, I want to cut her some slack on that sense. Um, but to me, it's really about the actions, you know, like Jenna marble. And this is the part that's frustrating for me. When I look at the landscape of like, who's big is you see people like Jenna marbles who she's taken a very severe action of things that she had already taken actions on. She had removed videos and tried to learn from those situations and, and changed her content to grow as a person. And people still came at her. And so she's like, okay, I don't want to hurt people. I'm just going to remove myself completely. Like she took very huge actions to change who she, what, like how she was impacting the uh, community in which she was a part of. The, uh, a lot of the people who are constantly in the drama sphere who are, are making these apology videos it feels very empty because they make these apology videos, but they continue doing the same thing. And I think, I think maybe that was part of what Tana was saying because in her apology video, she did say, I'm, I apologize for all of these apology videos <laughs> that I've made, which to a certain extent feels hypocritical because she's making an apology video about all this stuff. But it's also, I think, I think her intent was to own up to the fact that, she can't keep making these apology videos and then continue making the same mistake. So what I hope to see from this is that if she genuinely um, wants to follow through with uh, the things that she is saying, that we actually do see a uh, a more conscientious, a more uh, self-aware, a more um, uh, positive uh, influence uh, within her, her her content and the, the stuff that she does a lot of her stuff she's even said has has even contributed to that of cancel culture and so i think um i hope to see in her and any of these other people that there's actual action taken and not just like all right i'll do, i'll donate to a charity for uh, a couple weeks and then i'll go back to doing the same shit because what is happening and we've talked about this in the past is you have the people who I think are good and are willing to make a change, they're the ones who are actually getting canceled because they're willing to, to step away and take a look at themselves. And the people who make these empty apology videos, make the apology videos, time passes, people forget about it, and they continue making content and being successful and monopolizing the market. And now those are the only role models that are not even role models, but the only celebrities that we uh, are able to uh, idolize because the, uh, the those are the only ones that are around like that's what I, I worry about uh, to a certain extent and uh, so I just hope that uh, with this or with uh, a lot of these um, uh, 
uh, apology videos, you see more action than just just words. Will we? I mean, that's, and that's the thing. I know I said like Logan Paul. I've seen some. I, he's changed some things. He still does some things. I'm not the biggest fan of, but at least he's made some efforts. Where I feel like a lot of times, um, I mean, Logan Paul did screw up. He screwed up pretty bad a few times, like real bad. Yeah, but I don't know. It's we're not. We're definitely not forgiving enough at times on people. Like people do just screw up and say the wrong thing, and sometimes like, they don't have like this uh, ill intent. They they didn't mean to 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 do what they did uh, in terms of like the way that their messaging came across. They may not be bad people, but I mean, like Tana is 22 years old, for example. Like I'm 28. I'm only, but like I'm just thinking like when I was 22, like I was definitely more irresponsible than I am at 28, and I wouldn't want to be. Um, I wouldn't want to like I I wouldn't want to think that a 22 year old can't become better right. at things and, and become a a stronger person. So I think we need to be somewhat understanding of that. Yeah, like I I I think there is a certain extent of holding people accountable, but but also allowing the um the chance to grow from things. Um, it's just you hope to see that as an audience member, those people that you might give a chance to that they actually make the effort, uh, which you can't control. That, that, that's kind of on them. Um, but yeah, I like for me, I don't want to come at these people and like, cause I don't know them. I, I don't really know like, even her apology video. I said to Steven, like, what is she apologizing about? Cause it, it felt like she was apologizing about everything she's ever done. Um, so there was a, a bit of me that was like, I, I, I don't know what this is specifically about unless it's just like her just self deprecating, uh, to everything that she is and ever was, uh, which makes me feel like, okay, so is she going to just like completely change who she is altogether? Um, I don't, I don't see that. Could being, be nice. <laughs> <laughs> I don't see that being a realistic <laughs> thing. Um, you know, cause I, I think, you know, as much as I might not appreciate some of the antics that she pulls, I think a lot of reason why young girls have looked up to Tana is, uh, her, her antics to a certain extent are like, you don't have to, there, there's like a messiness to it. Like it's okay to be wild, uh, to a certain extent. And I, as much as like I, that part of me might be a little more conservative than other people where I, you know, I don't drink, I don't do drugs. I don't like that part. That stuff's not ever been part of my life. And so I get like nervous around that stuff. Um, but there, there is a certain extent of like, uh, you have the freedom to kind of live how you choose to live as long as you're not really uh, impacting other people um, in a manner where it impedes on their way of living. Uh, so it's, I, I can see how there is a value in her to a certain extent. And, and um, I think it's, again, I, I feel that she's an easy target. And if we would have seen someone who might be more likable um, and that we, I uh, don't want to see canceled. Maybe like even this apology video wouldn't be as criticized as, as it was, but that's all conjecture. I don't, I don't actually know that. Likeability is actually a, a good uh, factor in this to consider because I do feel like in a lot of ways, Dr. Disrespect, a lot of people just kind of like him and they kind of feel like he kind of just like people are forgiving a lot of things that he does because yeah. he's got that likability factor for whatever reason. Maybe it's the character that he plays, which is ironically a very disrespectful character, uh, as one would guess from his name. But I, I, I think you're absolutely right. Like, if Jen Marbles does something versus, like, Tana Mojo, 
I think like a lot of people don't like Jen Marbles, but there's also like probably more people who respect her just because she's actually been like there like, since the beginning, not the beginning of YouTube, but like she's been there for a long time and people yeah. have seen that she's like progressed and really cares about her fans and stuff. So that, that does play a, yeah, it's like, even if you make an apology video on something, depending on who you are, it's gonna, you could say the same exact things but people are going to take it completely differently because of either your track record or how you say it. There's just a lot of things that go into this uh, proper apology video. Yeah, and I think it's you see it a lot with people who um, aren't willing to do any of the research on things. They just like hear the name of somebody and, oh, there's drama with them? Fuck them. I hate them. It's just like... All, right. All the time. That's yeah. literally about how long when Justin Bieber's name just got brought up, it was just, man, I hate that guy. And it's like, what do you really know about Justin Bieber that you're like, you hate him so much? There's a <laughs> like a heartbreaking clip of him talking about Billie Eilish. And uh, I've seen that. Yeah. You've seen that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Where he's he's being interviewed and and uh, kind of talking about wanting to be a support system for her. And he's like, you know, it was tough for me, man. Like everybody told me that they love me. And then. Uh, like I started getting shit and all the people that were saying they love me, nobody really had my back. I like turn around and there's nobody there. And I'm like, okay, does everybody love me? I, you know, I'm paraphrasing. I don't know exactly what it was worded, but he started breaking down a little bit. And, you know, he, you can see there's so many of us who don't know what it was, what it's like to live that life, to live that lifestyle, to, to live in the public eye to that extent. Like, when we talk about we're 28, we're still not in the public eye uh, other than our, our small community. But like we've we've had private conversations about, man, you know, if we do get successful, I'm so glad that I'm 28 now and possibly going to become successful as opposed to who I was at 21, 22, becoming successful, not knowing who the hell I was or what I really wanted um, and how easy it would have been to be manipulated into uh, certain areas uh, of life that I would have end up, ended up regretting or feeling disingenuous from. So it's, I, I think you have to have a little bit of empathy within these situations. Empathy to an extent where it's like, well, it's not even empathy. I think a lenience almost. Cause you're like, all right, as much as I might not approve of what I'm seeing, even if I do research, I still don't know what it's like to walk that path. I don't know what it's like to be that person. And it can be really easy to invalidate that path too. Cause you're like, well, you know, it's, it's Tana Mojo. She's, she's a, a, a pretty white girl who made it big. Like she doesn't have any problems. Like you hear from a lot of people that, uh, that get their, their life, uh, diminished, like their, their stuff, that they that they experience diminished because of some perceived success but everybody has issues and when your your quality of life changes so does your quality of problems so i think there is there is a um a, a, a different scope that you have to kind of evaluate things through and and uh and be understanding of and also it goes back to my stronger stance of sometimes just leave people the fuck alone <laughs> like Get off people's backs, you know? Kind of on this topic, but I, it made me think about something that I was, uh, I w had a conversation about earlier today. What about, um, let's say you got, because 
I think the age that somebody is 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 something definitely to to, to think. I think the age that somebody is is definitely something that needs to be considered when people make mistakes because at at 22 or like 40 like I feel like you're just you've been through some different things so like sometimes a 22 year old is going to be a little bit more like naive with some of the things that they say um how how do you feel about like if if you became like pretty successful and you had a kid who wanted to become like a child actor or something do you think that you would feel comfortable cuz I I see these child actors on shows like oh, growing up I would watch like Full House and like these kids were super famous by the time they were 10 years old uh how would you feel about like being the person who was actually responsible in some ways for the success of your kids becoming like that so early uh that's a good question i think um you know uh, for as as many kids that have been kind of damaged uh because of that process of of like being child stars and then uh, trying to find their way in this vast world while they're just kids and and uh, being in the public eye and stuff. I think there are also like Leonardo DiCaprio was very successful when he was young, and you know I think he's doing okay. Um, so I, I think there are success stories as well. Um, I I just think uh, I I would hope that um, whatever whatever I feel like because there's something about like somebody finding their passion and and wanting to go for it like especially in my kid i wouldn't want to uh, unless it's something like their passion is doing heroin or something. early on <laughs> early on yeah <laughs> like, dad i really want to start shooting up some drugs uh you know if their passion is like acting and stuff and they want to see where they can go with that i would have a really hard time as a parent saying no you can't i almost feel like that would be hypocritical of me <laughs> to like want to pursue my dreams and then uh, temper that because I'm afraid that something might happen. What I would rather do is like seek counsel from, uh, you know, if like my kid became successful, I would maybe really try to seek counsel from people who have been there before and, and see what their experience was like and, and how, how they wish they would have done it differently or whatever, or, and just, um, you know, try my best to learn from the experience rather than shy away from it. You know, I think we can, in any experiences in life, we can sit back and be afraid of what could be and, and how this thing could turn out. Um, but there's nothing really like finding what you love and holding on to that thing and pursuing that thing with a, with a passion. Um, and so if, if my child has a, a, a deep enjoyment for, uh, entertainment and, and wanting to, um, express themselves on a stage or on the screen um i i would want to encourage that and not turn that away would do you feel differently what 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 are your thoughts i i wouldn't want to tell somebody even like a kid like hey you can't do this that that seems brutal because i'm thinking if i was a kid and someone told me hey you want to do this acting thing i probably as a kid i'd be like yeah it'd be really cool i want to try it uh so i don't want to say that i wouldn't but i think I, I think it's good for people to go through um, somewhat of a normal childhood, whatever normal really exists. Like, I think, like, that would be my ideal. Like, I like, oh, I like how my childhood was to a certain extent. Like, I, I think that it was good. But I just feel like since I don't have a window into other ways of doing it, because I only know how I was raised, that, like, 
doesn't really seem fair for me to just rule out that maybe there's a better way out there. So I, I think I would be open to it, but like, man, I'd have to, uh, I'd have to, I don't know, I guess I'd have to like really <laughs> be there for that whole thing as much as I possibly could, because I can imagine that a lot of people and just from what I've seen have gotten pretty screwed up from that early success. Like I do think success later on, it seems like you'd be able to manage it a lot better. Like, if you let's say you didn't get success until you were thirty years old, I feel like at that point you kind of know. Like I feel like you'd also kind of appreciate it more too because you kind of saw what it was like before you got to that point. So I don't know. I, I I couldn't tell them not to do it, but it would definitely be tough. Yeah, I mean maybe, but I mean like even like uh, to go back to Leo, like you hear him talk about his passion for acting. Like he started so early, but he still feels like this is his absolute purpose in life to continue mm-hmm. doing this, and you can see it in in how he he approaches role like he he's so fucking good and he like really dives into them and he's so creative and all this stuff so i the thing is i, I think part of my my thought process is okay when we, when we take a look at, at children like number one anybody that you love in life enough that's who is probably going to hurt you the most because you are so close with them um so when we talk about your primary caregiver, so like me being a parent, like even you recognizing your childhood and you thinking that normal childhood was good, mm-hmm. like you still have flaws and things in yourself. Lots. <laughs> that you like look at and be like, you know, I want to be different than my parents were in this way, shape or form. So to me, I'm like, okay, so there's never going to be a perfect way that I'm going to be a parent. There's never going to be the exact uh, path that my kid needs to go down for them to have the perfect childhood. No matter what I do with my kid, I'm going to fuck them up in some way <laughs> just just by the nature of what how strong that bond is with our with our children. And so um I I just think uh when when you find something like that that maybe your child like clings to and like wants to pursue with with uh with everything they have like uh, you know, I think part of uh, the thing that I don't like in myself is I like a lot of things. And so sometimes I like my passions change within the season. Like it's like and I remember this when I was uh, playing sports, like when it was baseball season, I was all about baseball. When it was football season, all about football. When it was basketball season, all about basketball. But I could never like like even when I gave up football and basketball to just pursue baseball, like when football season came around, I was still in that football, like, like I could never hone in on just one thing and just kind of give it all I had. And uh, yeah, that, that versatility I think is part of what makes me who I am, but it's also like sometimes if even the things that fulfill me feel unfulfilling because I get interested in other stuff. And, And so if you have, um, if, if my kid were to approach me with something that they want to really go towards, I want to, encourage that fire and i don't want to uh um put it out you know regardless of the the possible risks that are involved there are always there are always going to be risks in whatever happens so that's just kind of how i feel about it agreed yeah i just uh something i thought about yeah earlier today uh anything else you want to talk about um not necessarily about this episode but i do have some things i want to pub i don't know if you have any 
Uh, no, you go first. Okay, cool. So um, I don't know if you guys have been paying attention, but I re-released the Transistor Radio EP. Uh, it is now on Spotify, um, Apple Play, or Apple Music, Google Play. Um, on Apple, for some reason, the old release is still up there. And so <laughs> there's actually two... There are two albums of of the same thing on iTunes for some reason. Um, and it'll also say that we're a Christian rock band because there actually is another transistor radio. <laughs> and it wouldn't let me create a new profile for us. So uh, sorry about that confusion, but you can click on that. Don't be... Don't be thrown off by that uh, too much. But Spotify, there's only one uh, link. It's uh, Places We've Been is the name of the EP. Um, and it, I have uh, almost every song that's on the EP on my YouTube channel, Tokyo, which is the fifth and final song on the EP. I have a lyric video coming out for that on the on September 10th. So be looking out for that. But please check out the EP. Let me know what you think. Um, and then I will also be getting back to more of my regular content like covers and songwriter to songwriters now that uh, I've kind of gone through this uh, transistor radio uh, stretch here uh, and posting that kind of stuff so stay tuned for that but uh, check that out and thank you for those of you who have listened and, and commented so far I hope that you are enjoying it great um, for me I'm actually going to be out of town so uh, after this episode drops, I'll pretty much be like leaving like the next day. I'll be out of town um, for around a week. So I think the plan is that we're just going to do two consecutive days of podcast recordings. That's what we talked about. Yeah, yeah. to try and uh, make it so there's like no there's no gap and like you guys don't notice anything in terms of the podcast releases. When I am in Ohio, I don't know the content that I'll be doing while I'm there exactly. So. Uh, I know them. I'll still have my normal couple YouTube videos dropping. Um, so this, this really shouldn't change things a whole lot. As I did mention on a recent live stream that one of my initiatives on my YouTube channel over the next week or so, next couple of weeks, is to come up with different segments for my YouTube channel. So like I have, um, I, I did like a, a test. I tested one out called Hot Takes like with uh, Stephen Russell B. And um, I basically, I just took something that uh, it's like, a, it was like, it was like a comedic video that I did about super Mario. And that might be one of the ones that I stick with. I'm not sure yet, but I'll, I'll it'll be something like that. Um, and I'll try to come up with like a, a different mission. So I want to be about comedy. Maybe one will be educational, uh, but this is getting closer to what I've been wanting to turn my YouTube channel into. So it's becoming a little bit more, put together and uh thanks to everybody who has um reached out telling me they like the the podcast studio setup i just did a youtube video on it and uh this this was obviously a uh, long time coming to do something like this but it definitely has made the podcast and my youtube videos and my live streams just made everything uh a lot it's made them look and sound better and it's honestly made it a little bit more fun absolutely yeah i, I whenever we step in here to to record it's it's definitely different like when we were doing it uh you know from different states and even like during the quarantine different apartments um there was always this like there wasn't as much excitement to sit down and do the podcast to like go through zoom and then like have to set up zoom make sure the connection is working well and stuff but we step into here and i see this purple light and like there's just <laughs> this ambiance and we click on Streamlabs over here and i pull this mic in front of, there's just like 
everything about all these little steps, I just, I feel like there's a certain zone that we get into and obviously being uh, in the same room as each other, there's always going to be more energy. So it's, uh, it's, it's been pretty awesome. And, uh, I'm, I'm really pumped that we, we have this, uh, ability to, for the setup and just to do it this way from here on out. Yeah. And you guys will get to see a, uh, a video of I, I have a vlog video coming out I don't know what day yet so I'm not gonna say what day but you'll see that we did some uh, mini golfing and we hit the cages <laughs> some batting cages so you'll get to see uh, us hanging swing out. analysis from you on oh that? yeah we didn't talk about <laughs> doing that we could do some swing analysis but <laughs> we have like a we have a group we call like the bubble group because there's just like a handful of us who uh, we do hang out despite the like what's going on here and we uh, are very transparent on what's going on between one another but it was kind of nice to do something that felt somewhat normal <laughs> yeah it was a lot no i had a lot of fun even yeah. just like driving around the suburbs and just like seeing all the trees and stuff like just that experience like being in the car with friends and stuff was uh you, those are little things that you don't think are that big of a deal when you get to do it a lot but <laughs> obviously in the wake of a pandemic where we've been so locked in it's like i'm glad that we're starting to be like hey let's go do this let's 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 find something that we can still stay safe with but we can also um kind of get out of our uh our monotony and uh experience life a little bit uh so i had a lot of fun this weekend 100p call back dope anything else you want to say before we sign off uh, that's that's uh, that's it for me. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Good wow. way to end it. Good way to end it. Um, awesome. Well, thank you guys so much. This is the first episode of season two, episode one eighteen. Still, we're we're numbering it uh, this way, um, uh, so you don't have to worry about there being too much of a disconnect. But thank you guys for sticking with us this long. Uh, if you have any comments, questions, or concerns, email us emgpod at gmail.com, or you can call us, leave us a voicemail, 513-427-EMG5. Again, that's 513-427-EMG5. You can reach out to us on social media at emgpod, that's Twitter and podcast, uh, or and Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> that is Twitter and Instagram. Uh, if you want to reach out to Stephen on social media, it's at Stephen Russell B. I am at Brandon J. Flippin. Thank you again for sticking around, and we'll see you next week. Take it easy.